Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Lunch with Legs. Legs Malone here, wishing you all a very warm hello, and how are you? Happy spring, everybody, or whatever season it is that you happen that happens to be happening while you're tuning into this. I'm recording it in the spring, so who knows? <laughs> it has been so busy here at Lunch with Legs HQ. We have just launched our Lunch with Legs show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, huge, huge, huge thanks to my fabulous executive producer, Mr. David Lawrence Bird, for all of his amazing work in editing down some of our interviews and getting them ready for radio. It is, you know, I, I'm learning a lot. I really love to talk and listening to myself talk and then having to somehow squeeze that into exactly one hour for radio. It's challenging. I'm not going to lie. But all the same, it is a fantastic learning curve, and I'm really enjoying it. If you guys have yet to tune in to Radio Free Brooklyn, I highly recommend you do so. You can just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com and listen to whatever's happening Lunch with Legs airs uh, at lunchtime. I think new episodes are posted every other Friday, and we occasionally, the episodes get uh, rebroadcast from time to time. So tune on in. And I have to say, I have been really listening to the stream a lot, and I'm really enjoying what I'm hearing so far. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And for those of you who are familiar with the downtown New York City art scene, you may recognize a few names and people on the Radio Free Brooklyn roster. And I have to say, today's uh, interviewee, Mr. Porno Jim himself, also has a show on Radio Free Brooklyn, which I did not know before going to interview him. So you can listen to his show coming up. I'm pretty sure he talks about it in the interview. I haven't listened to it um, since actually doing it. But um, you can also go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com to find out when that's going to be airing. For those of you who have been donating, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Even if it's just a donation of $5, your dollars are helping me and Dave make ends meet. It is expensive buying new mics and having various equipment to bring you the optimal audio experience, which we are still working on, as I'm well aware of the amazing noise pollution that this podcast often has, be it animal or child or siren based but uh hey it's all part of the charm right anyway if you want a cleaner listening experience do please head to lunchwithlegs.com and donate to us there's a little donate button on the upper right hand corner of the screen we are currently about to invest in some big sound dampening felt rolls or barrels. I don't know exactly what they are. They look great on Amazon. That's all I know. And that's the ones we're going to get. So please do uh, donate if you want to. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has been sending us money. We appreciate it so much. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive on into today's episode. I went and met up with Porno Jim himself in his West Side apartment, and we had a very colorful conversation. He is a very cool guy, and he ran a show for a long time called The Porno Jim Show in New York City. And he's now going to be bringing that as an aural experience. That's A-U-R-A-L you dirty, dirty-minded people who I love so much. Uh, and again, you can tune into that on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. So without further ado, go ahead, pull up a chair, pour yourself a cup of something good, and get ready for my very not-safe-for-work conversation with the one and only Porno Jim. Porno Jim, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a part of today's episode. Thank you, Legs. It was so nice for you to invite me to be on the show. I'm very oh, happy absolutely. I, this, was, this has been a long time coming. That's so true. It's, it's, uh, I'm really, really, really thrilled. And I, I, there's part of me that is sad that our listening audience cannot hear snippets of what we were just talking about. But I know that you've definitely um, shared so much that I do want to bring our conversation back to some of the things we were just talking about. Of but course. before anything else... Can you, 
how so you are you are I have so many questions. You are Porno Jim. That's the name I have decided to go by. It was given to me by some other friends who knew a lot of people named Jim. And they wanted to give them each distinctive nickname. So when they called on the collective phone that they could each go, hey, Bill, it's blah, 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 Jim. And I, uh, at the time, uh, this was 20 years ago, I had recently shot some photographs for some porn magazines here in New York City. And I had uh, gotten paid. So that meant that I was the only professional pornographer of all the Jims that they knew. <laughs> So I got to be Porno Jim. And I didn't know this, actually. For six months, they all called me Porno Jim whenever I called to talk to my friend. And I did not know this. It was just amongst the five of them that they did not know. And one day, they slipped and said, hey, Bill, Porno Jim's on the phone. And I said, w what is that? You guys call me Porno Jim? He goes, oh, oh, oh you heard that, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, we call you Porno Jim. I said, oh, that, that's that's kind of funny, I think, because I, <laughs> if your audience can't tell, but I, uh, especially then, this is 20 years ago, I looked very young. Like, I was in my 30s, but you would definitely say I was just out of high school. I looked very, very young. Mm -hmm. And now I'm 52, and I look like I'm in my 40s or something, right? And so, you know, I look okay, but I'm, uh, uh, I was just so young, and it was just a weird, goofy thing to say, hi, I'm porno gym to somebody. <laughs> Literally, the laugh that you're doing right now, I got invariably from everybody, every age group, unless they just, of course, hated pornography, in which case it was a terrible sin. But but if I was just talking to people, they go, hey, I'm Porno Jim. <laughs> You're Porno Jim. That's great. And I think I could use that. So I kept it. So I decided that would be my, my nickname, which did not make my mom happy. Did oh, not. No, God. she's not thrilled about this. She wonders each time I speak to her why I don't use my brain for something valuable in the world. But I enjoy being Porno Jim. It's actually worked out for me very well. I try and live a Porno Jim lifestyle. Yeah? I, have a, I have a moral and safe code, which allows me to be as slutty as possible. While at the same time, because I'm Porno Jim, I'm not just some slut. I'm an expert. I know how to help right. other sluts be better at sluts. I know how to make people's sexual lives slightly or significantly better because I've already tried and done all the research. So it's worked out for me as a person of authority in many areas, not just in porn. So You are an expert ethical slut. Yes, exactly it. I, uh, I read The Ethical Slut very early after it came out. I'm a big polyamorist. I'm in favor of everybody knowing exactly how and why they're relating to the people that they're relating to, and ethically slutty is one way to go. I think that people should have as many orgasms as time permits. If you can make your date last two hours and you can have that many orgasms in it, that's great. If you have four hours, more orgasms, right? Whatever, whatever you have time for, and up to whatever your desire is. Some people only want one orgasm. Some people want to have a lot. Most women think they can only have one, but really can have a lot. And until they actually meet somebody who helps them have a lot, they don't even think it's on the table. Once they get it on the table, then they start going, I really would like more of that. And I've been trying to help people do that. Now, sometimes I can do it when I'm dating them, and that's very, very individual. And, of course, it's a very, very limited number of people in my life I can actually meet. So I said, no, let's do it as a theater show. Let's go in public and tell people what I have learned. And I learned this because... Because while I was dating all of these women throughout my life, I actually would show all of them pornography because I liked pornography. And so I had learned exactly what it was that women wanted from pornography, having shown it to a hundred women who I was trying to have sex with. And so that would give me very specific information as to what worked and did not work to get them to have sex with me. They were already in my apartment. They already <laughs> liked me. So we probably were in a good position. Now I just had to not blow it by showing them the wrong pornography, right? right. And so I figured that out along the way, and then I said, oh, I should be able to share this with other people, so I did the Porno Gym show, where I would show clips of good and bad pornography to teach the audience the difference, so that they would then have better porn experiences. Because people like porn, people watch it all the time, our culture has accepted it on a level that you could not even have imagined 30, 40 years ago, and uh, it's something that's just not talked about, it's just our puritanical society doesn't really discuss it, they get upset about it, and maybe there's some kind of flash warnings that we're all going to lose the ability to have erections, but basically <laughs> we're all just deciding, well, it's been People just like what they like, and they used to like comedy, and now they're watching porn. No big difference. But the fact is that when you watch comedy, you laugh or you don't. But when you watch porn, you masturbate. Mm -hmm. And masturbating is something that people have a complicated emotional reaction to in our culture. Mm -hmm. And so they haven't decided whether it's a good or bad thing, but they guess it's probably good at this point, probably okay, it's in moderation and everything like that. But I don't know that we're having moderation now because pornography is in your pocket all the time, waiting, yeah. waiting for you when you get horny to go, I could do that right now. And so since that's true, and everyone has a computer, and everyone has access to it, and it's basically free. 
it becomes a real thing. So people make jokes about it. Everyone's assumed that everyone just watches porn all the time because everyone just does, especially men, a lot of women, everyone in college, everyone just assumes it, which is a truth. Everyone does do that. It's very, very common. I've met many people who do not watch porn. I'm not just want to say that everyone watches porn. Lots of people do not watch porn. And another percentage of people only want to read porn. And that is equally valid and equally fun. The way your brain processes erotic information can be through visuals or through reading or through other kinds of processes. All of them are valid. Every way works. Porn is just some way that you get more aroused than not porn. You can just do it with your eyes closed thinking of other things, but, you know, that can be complicated for some people, especially men. It's a lot more difficult to do that. And it's actually way more emotionally difficult because then you're calling up pictures of things that you have to decide if you're supposed to think about. Your ex-girlfriend, your cousin (laughs) Sally, all these different things, right? And so, you know, if you don't want to think about that, just look at Lisa Ann and Sasha Gray, and then you don't have to worry about whether you have any emotional connection to any of this stuff. You can just go boobies, and then you're okay, right? So, so I think the porn race. Well, you just want to feel comfortable with your masturbation because you want to not feel weird. Now, we've been taught as a culture that after masturbation, you're supposed to feel empty inside and lonely and feel like you're a loser because you couldn't get laid with a person and stuff. And that, of course, is stupid because maple masturbate since they're bored all the time. It's just the thing is normal. And it's been accepted that men, to some degree, were almost required to do it. And then we realized in the 60s and 70s that women could have orgasms too. They didn't know that before that. And so they actually said, oh, maybe they should masturbate too. And they were like, oh, I don't know. Women's uh, sexuality can get all out of control. If we let it It'll go be the fall like of that. civilization. Was, there were many books that said exactly that, but looked out, worked out good. And now I would have to say, and of course there's no stats that mean anything, but I'd say about half the women in this country have masturbated to some porn at some point, maybe more. And I think that that's a great thing because masturbation is the only way to figure out how everything works on your body. And so you, you should do that because if you're waiting for some person to come along and teach you how your body works all the time, man, man or woman, um, then you're hoping that they know something. You know, what are the odds that they know anything, right? Pretty small, really, unless uh, you're porno gym. Then, of course, you're expected to know certain things. But anybody else, it's a hit or miss situation, right? Right, right, right. I'd love to know, what was your first experience with pornography? Oh, well, I was 11 years old. The uh, guy that lived around the corner brought me over to his house when his parents were out and showed me their 8mm porn film that they had, some stag black and white porn film that they had in a little movie projector that they had. And this is what you're is this now this is 75 74 somewhere in there 74 and so um there was no video in the way that we have video now and so this was the only way you would have it except for magazines right and of course i lived in uh, rural new jersey and so there were hunters and stuff just you know a mile or so out in the woods and they of course would leave playboys out there because they were masturbating while they were waiting for the deer to arrive and so that was how you found porn you just found it wet in the in, in the woods and that's how you found porn and then sometimes they would leave porn books, like dirty, dirty books with like, like theoretically novels, but actually like you know, 100 page books with just dirty sex scenes all the time. So I'm reading all these things at 12 and 13, and I was like, oh, wow, this is, uh, this is good. So I uh, – uh, and then at uh, 12, uh, my parents noticed that I was uh, masturbating. I assumed there was tissues or whatever left around. Oh, and, uh, and so they uh, – my mother sat me down and gave me my, my sex talk about how we – you know, this is a joyous thing, and this is how babies are made, and here's a book on how the biology works so you can see Ethel Egg and Sammy Sperm get together and oh all that God. stuff. And I was like, oh, good. This is really good. But I, uh, I, I grasped the biology of it and all, but it seems to be a really – culturally significant thing, so there's got to be other things to do. And so I convinced them that I should get pornography all the time. And so I actually... convinced them of that. I did. And so uh, from 13 throughout my teenage years, I bought Playboy and Penthouse every month at the corner 7-Eleven store because I had gone in the first day with my dad and he bought it for me and handed it to me and then it was very clear that that was okay. And after that, I would go into any store totally confident that they would sell it to me because they'd been selling it to me my entire teenage years. And I would just go in and I'd give them the three bucks and I would get my... and I have, so I have pornography throughout my teenage years. I had no oh. dates. I was not socially skilled in any way. I was a weirdo. I was not going to get anybody to go out with me throughout high school. I didn't like high school, but I was reading an enormous amount of sexual information. And when you read Playboy, you're not just reading you know the articles and the and the reviews and the look at the pictures, but you're getting the Playboy philosophy. And the Playboy philosophy was you know women should be allowed to express themselves sexually however they want, and people should be allowed to have you know the kind of fun they want. And I was like very I completely believe this. I, my mother was in the National Organization of Women, so I was completely a feminist, and I believed in equality, and I was, and, and then I kept hearing about how women weren't having orgasms, but men were easily, and I was like, well, that seems totally unfair. Why is that, right? So 
eventually, right, you, uh, you, I got to be 18, and I got a job working at a video store called Video Shack, which is the very first video store to have videotapes in it. And they were created because the owner of Video Shack owned a porn production company, and he needed a place to sell his videotapes of porn, which is oh, where all the money wow. was in the early days of, porn, of uh, video. And so I worked there, and of course they rented out all the stuff as well as selling all the stuff, so they had the largest collection of porn video in the world at Video Shack, and I, as an employee, could watch it all for free. So I watched all the oh porn God. there was in the first two years of porn uh, for free, all of it. So I have this huge base knowledge of classic porn, right? And then I just watched four or five porn movies every week or two for the rest of my life since, right? Wow. And so I've just seen so much porn that I knew a lot. <laughs> I remembered things, and I put things together, and I kind of had an idea. And then, like I said, I then spent a lot of time not just watching it and masturbating to it, but actually showing it to women who I wanted to have sex with, and then watching it while we were having sex. And so I learned what kind of porn women were more interested in not, right? And I, uh, Candida Royale at one point came out with porn for women, and mm -hmm. it turns out that that was porn for women uh, of her age group, not the you know 24 or 25-year-old women who I was dating. Uh, these were women who were in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And it was structured and paced for those people and so it didn't work for very many of the women I was dating mm. none of whom were grandmothers you know right. <laughs> so I uh, I was having a problem to figure out which and I then and most of the board in the 90s was very aggressive and anal and and then how many things can you fit in your butt and stuff like that and so because they were trying to figure out what to be how to be hot they had to be more hot right, right? and they couldn't just do it with new people that was, that was millions of new people all the time so they had to be extreme and some of them got violent some of them got mean and some of them got different stuff and then they still try to do that but now they're not as violent and mean that's all been done now. There's still of that, but that's not really the, the, the you know, the, the cutting edge of what's going on in porn. Now it's actually romances, right? You're just shooting romances with real, plot, real plots and real, like, soap opera kind of things and stuff. But to make it hot, the plot usually revolves around some kind of betrayal. And the easiest betrayal is if, you're, uh, if your wife, if your new wife is now sleeping with your college-age son or your new husband oh, is sleeping God. with your college-age daughter. Because your manipulative daughter is trying to do this while she sleeps with her boyfriend and his girlfriend and and so it's all complicated weirdness because you've got to have some kind of scenario to make it happen. But the fact is you do have scenarios. You do have plots. You do have actual acting. I don't want to call it good acting, but it's certainly as good as most bad soap opera acting, and that's on TV. So, you know, it's it's not that bad. And there's been a lot of porn parodies, like real explicit yes. parodies of Spider-Man and Superman and all these other people. Pirates of the Caribbean. And, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And that that was a big budget one. But there's even like the ones of The uh, the Office or, or Clerks. Oh, Clerks is a great script for a porn movie, a really great script. So they've actually just done these things they require these people to do jokes to do lines to do things from the movie and all and they've as they've been doing these for years just gotten slightly better at it because they've been doing it for 30 40 times james dean is not a very good actor but he's a very famous you know porn star but he's a way better actor than he had to be because yeah. he's done all these parodies where he had to act like seinfeld or act like that guy or whatever and so it really helps him gain his basic ability he's not any good he's not even talented at it right but he's not wooden and crappy like like everybody else is and or was, right? So it's just slightly better. And that's true of, I guess, our whole culture, right? Everybody is a little more TV savvy. Mm -hmm. If you if you go watch uh, The Tonight Show, I guess they have been in the street things where they ask people questions and stuff. Those people now are not like, oh, a microphone? What do I do now? They're like, oh, a microphone. I know what you're supposed to do now. So that's the thing that's different than when we were kids. Oh, yeah. You watch TV then and people would come on and they'd be like, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. You're asking me a question? I don't know what I'm supposed to say. They're like, that would never happen now. Because that would be so weird that you wouldn't be media savvy enough to do Absolutely. that. So things as a culture change. And now porn is everywhere. I mean, literally free everywhere. It's in all the advertisements, all kinds of places. And the moral police who are arguing about whether Kim Kardashian should have worn that dress without a bra, that kind of thing, it's just reactionary gossip stuff. It's not even real anymore because people just assume it doesn't matter. And so you hear some manufactured controversy about some nipple or something. And you're like, oh, man. Why is that even an issue, right? And it's not. Yeah. It's just titillation. It's just trying to make it a thing. It used to be a moral thing, and people thought they were trying to do that, but they've lost that battle. People can mm -hmm. do whatever they want. And cable television, with nudity and stuff like that in the best of our television, is proving that you don't need to take that out yeah. to make it a valid thing. And so it's now much more European. Mm. Our, our television, in generally at the high level anyway, is much more like British and other television, where there's some nudity, and they talk about adult-themed things, and stuff happens. And whether they do a good, bad job of that, that's up to you. 
but it is there, and that wasn't there before. I mean, yeah. they had the Sopranos just barely starting that kind of thing, and then it's just become huge. Anything can happen on television. Yeah, America is still very shy when it comes to sex, sexuality, and the human body in oh. the act of sex. Yes. Very, very, very shy. Um, and I, I mean, we definitely have, I mean, I lived in France for a while and even walking down the street, you know, in pharmacy windows, they would have naked women, you know, just there, beautiful, you know, advertising like an anti-cellulite cream. And it's like, well, okay, you're showing me her ass and her thighs and it, clearly your cream must work, you know, because there it is. You would never see that here. Oh, no. Never. It's law. It's against the law. There's FDA and other rules uh, about how you can, you know, do advertising and what you're allowed to say and how you're allowed to do it. And, you know, like uh, kind bars, right, mm-hmm, which is something mm-hmm. that's, you know, and they're full of mostly nice things. But because of the regulations, right, they can't say that they're healthy because that means something more or less fat, blah, 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 because there's rules and regulations for those kind of words. And yet, you know, it's more healthy than a cupcake. I mean, what does what healthy mean, right? Well, they've yeah. regulated what that means. And so you can't just say regular things unless it has this other thing. On the other hand, things have changed the other way. Um, porn parodies now are Batman Triple X, and the guy is wearing a Batman costume with a slight variation. He calls himself Batman. He fights the Catwoman. It's no, there's no kind of euphemisms talking around it like you did before. It used to be uh, uh, Splatman and, 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 and something else. It was like, it was like not wow. Batman, because it had to be Splatman, because otherwise you were going to get sued by Warner Brothers, right? And now they're basically making more accurate to the comics costumes for the superhero parodies than they will for the movies, because the movies need to have a special costume so that you can sell it, while these people are just using the original Wolverine costume, because they can just make whatever costume they want. And he looks just like and acts like and does just like is just like that wasn't true 15 years ago. It was against the law. You would get sued, right? And now, and I like to use The Daily Show as an example, they just, you know, make more accurate little changes and parodies. Saturday Night Live does these little more accurate parodies and stuff. And once those guys are doing it, then you can't say that the porn people can't do it. Right. So it's the same. And so now you can get away with stuff you couldn't get away with before. It's, it's an amazing thing. And it makes the parodies better. It makes the whole entertainment experience much better. It's much better. But it's also because they are in a culture that kind of says, well, we can't really yell about that because they get away with it over here. So yeah. it's a whole different thing now. Totally. Now, I'm curious to know, I mean, because of how much time you have spent, um, you know, watching porn, reading porn, being around, you know, the porn culture and community, this, and this touches on something we were talking about before we started recording, which was how specifically New York is changing, you know, with regards to, like, the sex parties, the, you know, the porn culture. I know this is, like, a big shift in our conversational gear. Well, but- I, I'm in the sex world and, you know, the S&M world and the sex party world and all that kind of stuff to some degree. And like we were saying, there's a lot of uh, sex parties in New York that I have no idea about. I'm not in the economic uh, social echelon that puts those sex parties there. I'm in the group that I'm in, which is, I don't know, a couple thousand of the people I know. And those parties are all going more upscale because um, more people have more money, otherwise they've moved. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, so it's becoming a just different kind of a thing. And what's happened, of course, in New York especially, is that lots of people who are uh, technically tourists now live here, you know. And so they want it to be a little more like their hometown in uh, you know Columbus, Ohio or something. And so there's a lot of chain stores, and there's a lot of easy things to find and everything. And it's just not the same kind of rough and tumble place with a lot of chance random cool things happening as it used to be it used to be that it was normal to be weird in new york and now it's back to being oh there's weird people in new york you know so and that, that ebbs and flows over time in the 60s it was just full of weird people and in the 70s the weird people had to back off because it was dangerous and then in the 80s got to be a little more weird again and then in the 90s it's like oh we got to be less weird so you know it shifts back and forth and uh, i don't know how long we're going to be in this you know period like this i assume a long time based on the fact that economically it's all going like this as a, as a steady rise it's not like yeah. we're we're hitting anything weird if we have a big major economic crisis and Wall Street loses 10% of its value or something like that. I'm sure the other things shift a little bit. But it's never going back down to $800 rents or $400 rents. That's oh never happening. God. So, you know, that's just not going to be there. So unless we get what we really need, which is everybody in the whole country gets a raise, right? <laughs> we have $15 an hour minimum wage across the board so everybody gets a raise, right? Then it's going to be very hard for anyone who isn't really lucky and established and has a really good corporate job to live in New York. It's just going to be hard. And people will do it because there is 8 million of us. So some of us will get by either way, but it's yeah. just not going to be hard. And in the sex world, we have a lot of these uh, uh, the swinger parties, of which there's lots, and they're very successful. And then there's uh, polyamorous, kind of more undergroundy parties, and those are fun, and those are a little more culturally uh, relevant in that they're uh, trying to create a microcosm of correct behavior. 
And so the um, the idea is that if you go to any place where there's non-monogamous people, there's different cultural ways to be non-monogamous. And the swinger world is very much a physically non-monogamous, emotionally monogamous area. So married people can mess around with other people, but they don't get uh, they ever fall in love with other people. That's destabilizing and a mistake. While polyamorous people have decided that they can choose to have love relationships beyond their primary relationship while maintaining that primary relationship. And that means they have more love to give and more love to share, and then they can have more relationships. And so they have a lot more boyfriend-girlfriends who are in multiple groups as opposed to just having sex with large numbers of random people, which is you know the other way to be non-monogamous. And uh, the uh, groups of that have decided that they have to, you know, monitor the behavior of the people involved and the uh, people who are in the poly community are way more accepting of homosexual behavior, of trans behavior, of, of all kinds of other kinds of lifestyle choices and that gets included while in the uh, uh, swinger world they tend to uh, uh, separate all those groups into different nights when they all like to do those different things. So mm -hmm. on a straight regular night you wouldn't wind up with a lot of TS or, or gay behavior and so that just separates it out while in the poly world they try and bring them together. To do that you have to then work very hard on consent and being uh, respectful and making everybody on top of their game and knowing exactly how they're supposed to behave and not getting too inebriated and all these kind of things. And that's uh, really great that they're working all those things out because that has to be kind of, you know, redecided each couple of years in yeah. every scene to figure out how to do that. And so they're going through a lot of that. And at the moment, the uh, the people who are in their, uh, in their 20s and just out of college and younger than that, they're all... Um, uh, very worried about um, incorrect pronoun use, um, not using these old words for things when we have new words for things. Um, and I think all that's really good because I think that has to be as to can considered. And we'll see how it all, uh, you know, fleshes out as, as, yeah. as time goes on. Some of it will last and some of it will go away. But, uh, but I think that's a great thing that it's experimenting trying that. Absolutely. And it's better that it, I think it happened in the sex world a little bit and not just on college campuses mm -hmm. where <laughs> it becomes uh, uh, more political. Yeah. <laughs> well, here it's more practical. You're trying not to be an asshole. <laughs> Just don't be an asshole. And this is the way we're going to try to have you not be an asshole. And totally. if you can't be an asshole, then you can't come to our party anymore. It's, a, it's the same thing as if you had a party at your place and your one friend came and he was too drunk. You'd be like, well, you're being an asshole and you have to go. It's, yeah. it's that kind of thing. And these are you know, policing that in that way. And uh, by that, they're trying to actually establish a, you know, a, a code of behavior, a, a way that people should approach it. And everything eventually comes down to your philosophy of how you do things, right? And these people have this you know, philosophy of how to do it. And I think it's a really uh, a great idea. It's a great inclusive way to do it and I hope it all works out for everybody um, but the the swinger world which is a much much larger world um, is not as interested in being politically correct they just want to find hot people to have sex with and have a good time and so they're not changing their stuff around so much they've yeah. had the same rules for a very long time and it's worked pretty solidly for them mm -hmm. and so that's that's a different way of being non-monogamous and of course then there's the regular way of being non-monogamous which is just cheating on your spouse um, so so there's lots of that and mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of rules they follow but that's you know each individual group follows their own I'm sure it changes State by state. <laughs> <laughs> now you um, you just mentioned about you know people being very careful around vocabulary. You know, like oh, yeah, old, yeah. old language versus newer language. Can you give an example of that? Uh, I uh, I made a mistake at a event where I was the uh, a. Uh, um, uh, I was a judge of a uh, porn karaoke contest, and on the screen was uh, some old school trans porn. Mm. And I uh, use the old T word for trans. Ah, um, that in ends with the letter Y. Yes, which is describing it. And if you look it up, that's what it says on the internet is what that is. And I use that word, and I was quite. Uh, uh, taken out by people that I was not allowed to use that word ever again. That was a slur, and it was an evil word, and I should never use it. And I said, well, I wasn't like using it as a slur. I thought I was just using it to describe what, what it is. M maybe that should be changed. And there have been a lot of petitions and things to try and get the industry as a whole to change some of the wordings that they use. And I'm in favor of everyone getting called whatever they want to get called, so I'm all for that. But uh, but I was uh, f found that I was not allowed to use that word ever again, so now I don't use that word. And, yeah. uh, and that's fine, because that's not my word. I don't care. It's not like I need that word. It's just that, that that was the word that was always called, and back when I was hanging around with drag queens and stuff in the 90s, that was the word that they liked. So now they don't like that word, then we get rid of that word. I am all for that. So I'm very much in favor of that. And trans is just as good a word, and they works for he and she, and I'm sure we can find lots of ways to work the whole thing out. And that's uh, um, a, a great thing in our culture, that we are doing something to address the emotional needs of the minorities in the groups, right? Because, um, like I said, I was, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo, and I grew up as kind of 
kind of weirdo. And so I'm very much aware of people who are weirdos needing to be in some ways, you know, uh, respected. And whether that is a weirdo from comic book geek culture kind of stuff, which has now become the mainstream, or a sexual outlaw, which I used to be more of a sexual outlaw, and now I'm just some regular white guy. Um, and uh, and so, you know, I, I'm just as outlaw as I ever was in my behavior and everything, but now I'm just, you know, not as weird, I guess, because now everyone's gotten weirder. So, right. so I'm more normal now. But uh, I think everybody should uh, should try and make nice with everybody else. I think that would be worthwhile to try. And it's just try not to be a jerk. I mean, is it, how much do you get out of being a jerk anyway? You know, I mean, I'm all for being honest and outspoken and saying what you want. I say things that are controversial and people aren't going to like because I have a lot of opinions about porn and how porn's affecting us and what porn's good for and all that. But at the same time, you know, just my just my opinion. I'm, I'm just a, some guy from New York who watched a lot of porn. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm a self-proclaimed expert, the best kind uh, of, of expert you can be is the self-proclaimed expert because other people get degrees and stuff that say that other old people really thought they were good at something. It means nothing. I, I will talk about porn because I've watched a lot of porn. I would actually love to see you like start teaching at like, you know, a film school, like history of pornography and film because you could teach that. You I, have I watched could. all of it. I have watched all of it. Um, it's, uh, I, I could do that and that would be something and there are a few people who do that around the world. I shouldn't say the world, mostly in California, but uh, there are a few places where you could actually, you know, look into that as a studies for your English degree or something, film degree, whatever. But I, uh, I, it's still pretty unlikely that you can, you know, get a job teaching porn as a as a culture. In a way, that's what my whole show is. The Porno Gym Show is me as the professor of porn, and I dress in a suit and I look really good, right? And then I come on and I teach this class to the audience of what porn is, and I show them what porn's been like recently, and I show them this good porn, I show them bad porn, and I show them the weird porn, and then I show them at the end all female orgasms. The whole thing in porn is that porn doesn't show women having orgasms, so porn is stupid, right? Because all these women are the sluttiest possible behavior they can possibly do, and they're not even coming? What's the point of being so slutty if you're not going to come? I know a lot of slutty women. I respect them amongst people more than anything, but they don't do it out of the joy of being service bottoms. They do it because they're going to get to come many good times intensely because the experience is really great. And so it's not that they won't give you a blowjob just because they like you. They might Right, but they also would like you to go down on them too. It just seems very nice and fair. And so I was just very much in favor of that as a philosophy. Let's make sure that happens. And so that's what my show is. I dispense my philosophy of how everybody should watch porn when they're having sex with other people and when they're having sex with just themselves. And they should then, by doing this, have enhanced their orgasm. That's what it's supposed to do, right? Porn is supposed to be a little more arousing than if there's not porn in the room. That's all. If it doesn't do that, then either you shouldn't watch porn because you don't like it, or you should watch different porn starring people who you find attractive. Mm-hmm. The most mm-hmm. important thing with porn is to find people in it who you find attractive. Because if you don't find them attractive, it doesn't matter what scenario they're doing or who they look like. Or they, they needs that yeah, they, they, they have connect with it. Exactly. So if you like this body type or that body type, male or female, whatever it is, it's there. It's available mm-hmm. to you for free. You should pay for the best porn and you should pay for porn if you can afford it. But if, certainly if you're just looking to figure out what you like, you can go and search around for free on the Pornhub or UJIS or XHamster or wherever it is that you oh like to God. I've never even heard of most of those. Oh, there's there's, there's literally a hundred tube sites to go to. But... um but yes, those are the ones I like. Um, I'm, I have to say, I do admit, I am a major porn virgin. Uh-huh. I have I watch very little of it. I'm, I have nothing against it. It's just not on my radar. Do you ever read it, or you don't even read it? Anymore? I have read um, some. Okay. Um, I was introduced to Anne Rice's um, Sleeping the Beauty Sleeping books, Beauty yes, books which are amazing. Yes. Um, that those I would qualify as very successful. Um, erotic novels because oh, yeah. they are they are spectacular, well written, and they're extremely arousing. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely one of those people. It's like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm I'm totally open to it. I just have never watched a lot of it, so mm-hmm. I am definitely lower on the scale of awareness around this stuff. But you've been to sex parties. Yes, I have. I've you, performed at many. You've performed at many sex parties, so you've probably seen some people doing sex in real life in oh, front of you. Lots. Right. So if that is not appealing to you, then porn is. Probably probably not going to be important either, you know, because that's all porn is, right? Matter of fact, if you have porn on your computer, you can open a couple of windows of porn on your computer off of Pornhub or something, and then you have all these people making sex noises in your room, and then you're having sex with your partner, and you're at a sex party. 
and there's sex all around you, and there's people doing all kinds of cool, weird sex things in various combinations around you, and you're at the sex party, and you're looking around, and you're seeing them, and you're seeing your partner, and you're all turned on, and then you can just tell those people to go home, and you don't even have extra towels to clean up or anything. It is the best possible sex party scenario. But if you're not turned on by sex parties, then that's not going to be a turn on for you. That's just not a thing, right? I like sex parties, so I do that in my apartment when I'm having a date, and that's lots of fun. The girls, that's great. They come over to Porto Jim's place and get to watch lots of cool porn. That's lots of fun. But if you are connected to a specific thing, if you want to watch uh, 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 the, uh, well, the, what's the uh, My Friend's Hot Mom, right? You can imagine that you're the friend's hot mom and you get to go and seduce that kid uh, or whatever it is. Yeah. Or you can be the guy who gets to have sex with the friend's hot mom, which every teenage boy remembers somebody's hot mom somewhere. So there's lots of that as a scenario that you can get connected to. Or you could just look at the, you know, the two porn stars or three porn stars who are very hot and you like them and they do stuff that they do. And the stuff they do in general is the same things. There's different positions, but they're basically the same positions. And there's different places they have sex, couch, floor, whatever, but it's just the same thing. And then they have the same basic structure at the beginning, middle, and end of it. So it's not revolutionary stuff. There is revolutionary porn being made in uh, San Francisco and a few other places. Um, a lot of it is uh, feminist. A lot of it is queer. A lot of it is trans. And there's people like uh, Courtney Trouble and Jiz Lee and other like, really amazing people who are making lots of culturally unique and special porn. And that is not even competing with the traditional vivid video, you know, big po- breasted porn, stuff like that. It's just another thing out there. And there's now enough people who would like that, that it's a business that they can make money at. And that's the best thing. It shows that there's a diverse group of people in the world who are looking for things and it can be service you can you can make stuff for them and before the people who were featured in those kinds of movies weren't represented anywhere and so they didn't see themselves as you know regular viable people because they weren't represented same as in regular television and movies we don't see women and minorities in various positions of power or significance and that's not good for them as well and so you always hear people go oh I saw that one character that one time I thought oh I could do that too you know and and that really makes people happy. Same thing with, with sex. If you feel that you're not a regular everyday person and you're growing up and you're seeing what you want to be, you feel all you see is uh, Jenna Jameson clones. You don't know where you fit in. You know? right. But if then you look and you see that it could literally be everybody, you know, especially with the amount of amateur porn where everybody films themselves and eventually it comes out on the Internet. And all of that is just regular looking people. I mean, literally every body type of every kind is available there. And so, you know, you get like that. For men, of course, it's penis size, right? For the major porn stars, their penises are just huge. It's just scary big. And the women in porn in general are about 5'2 or less. So there's a huge, huge thing that's being done by the tiny little hands on these tiny little women who are holding onto these very, very large 10-inch penises, right? And so it looks even smaller or bigger, depending on how you look at it, right? And so it's all about that. But if you look at amateur porn, you'll see that there's a lot of regular-sized penises just having sex with regular or even attractive people and just, you know, all kinds of stuff there. You can feel a lot less weirded out by that. A lot of men used to feel very weirded out by porn. They felt very competitive and and less than, right? And a lot of women used to look at porn and feel very much like their bodies couldn't compare and they couldn't possibly deal with that. Well, now there's literally porn of your body type or even different in the way that you find more or less attractive at all times, available for free. So you can have less of that oppression Mm -hmm. from its Mm -hmm. cultural norms. And because porn has all these diverse groups of people making it, it actually winds up being not this monolithic thing. Yeah. And people who criticize porn because it's this monolithic thing, this, this, it's just full of gonzo porn with women being degraded and all these huge penis guys just making sure they have no fun and just using them. That exists and has always existed, but that's not what porn is anymore. That's just something that it has amongst it. It used to be that it was all this. Now there's lots of these romance movies, not all of which are faux-cessed, some of which are not necessarily just people having sex with their stepbrother, but there is actually like just regular romances where people are in love and have an issue and then they break up and they get back together just like any other little kind of love story and it's not acted with the most level of talent that you might want and you know it's still shot with the lighting that they had you know but it's much better way better and most importantly most of the women in porn look like they're going to or do have orgasms it's not necessarily easy to have an orgasm at your job, which is what these people right. are doing. So it's not necessarily that easy to act like this and do like this and still be real enough to feel the feelings that you need to get the orgasm to happen. And some women who get into porn are more naturally inclined to that. And just it happens to turn them on to do that. And so they get to have a real-life job. And it actually is really orgasmic for them. But that's not everybody. That's not the most common thing. And so I've found that at least the story ones have now made it so that the women 
are always having the man go down on them, and almost always they have an orgasm. And that, even if it's faked, even if it's not a real orgasm, is necessary to show people that that's how sex works. And so, while I have literally nothing to do with this, the things that I've been yelling about since the 12 years ago I started doing the Porno Gym Show have largely occurred in wow. porn because it wasn't like oh I need to tell them to do this they need to do this I was just telling people that this is inevitably what has to happen for it to move forward it, it can't stay here it has to change and this is how it will have to change and it did because you know either I'm a genius or it wasn't that hard to predict but that's what happened and so because of that everything is better in porn right mm -hmm. it's, it's more feminist it's less misogynistic it's, it's, it's better production values it's, it's all kinds of stuff and the number of women who go into it who feel that they need to have breast implants has plummeted uh, there's more pubic hair although it's not like a universal now there's pubic hair but there's maybe pubic hair anytime uh, some of the women don't shave under their arms all kinds of different things which were just not possible before even tattoos now there's a large number of porn stars with tattoos when 15 years ago they were just very there's not really wow. there's three it was like nothing and you wouldn't get hired like that. That's all because of mostly uh, Joanna Angel. Joanna Angel, who used to make porn in Brooklyn and now lives in Los Angeles, uh, makes mostly porn with uh, the Burning Angel girls, who are all tattooed yep. girls. And, uh, and it's uh, become more okay in all of porn because Joanna Angel became a big enough star with all of her tattoos that everyone's like, oh, I guess that's okay. And there's still, I'm sure, people who like or don't like tattoos, and it's its own niche, its own way, but it's just more okay. And that's important because almost all the new people who are becoming porn stars are, you know, 19, 20, 21, and almost everybody who's 19, 20, 21 has a has tattoo a now. Tattoo, so yeah. it's just a given in America. It's just the way it goes. Totally. Yeah. Now, I'm curious to know what your, if, if you were to boil it down, you've touched on it a little bit, if you were to boil it down, what is your argument for porn, why society, why people should watch it. You've touched on this quite a bit already, but okay. just to reframe the question as such to hear your answer. Uh, well, I think that people need to uh, express their sexuality in as much of a healthy way as possible. And I think that masturbation allows you to figure out what it is that you like physically with your body and even mentally with the kinds of things that you experience in your head while you're having an orgasm, while you're building to an orgasm, while you're thinking about sex. And there's lots of theoretical ideas as to how that is best done. And I think that, at least in our culture, the easiest, best way is for you to watch a bunch of different porn clips and then see which of those resonate with you mm -hmm. and as you get to understand why and how these things resonate with you you'll grasp that you can develop taste in this and when you're developing taste in this this will I think help you in all ways you'll be more in tune with your own sexuality this is for men and women mm -hmm. this is you'll be able to actually kind of have a feeling about what kind of things attract you and don't which of course grows and changes throughout your life but you have a, an understanding of it at some level and then when you connect with other people those people are connecting to to you where you're an equal with them, right? Mm -hmm. They've they've got their sexuality and you've got yours, rather than you going, well, I hope this person can show me things because I don't know, you know? And there's always that in every new relationship where you teach them something new to each other, but you want to be at some level, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like, I'm, uh, I've slept with a lot of people, and so I have, um, I'm more sexually advanced, and most of the people who go to most of the sex parties that I go to are a little more sexually advanced because they've slept with 20 or 100 people or something, and so they have a lot of experience. Not that that necessarily makes you any better at it, but it does right. give you a perspective on it that's different. And so if you've only slept with three people, your confidence level may not be as high. Your skill set may not be as honed. There's lots of different things about your sexual life that may not be where they could be. And that doesn't matter what age you are. Right? If you're 20 or 40 and you've only had sex with three people, you're still going to have a, a different uh, connection to it than you might if you'd had more. You don't necessarily though, have to sleep with a lot of people. You just need to have experiences. And you can get that through reading books. You can get that through watching movies. You can get that through other kinds of connections with human experiences. We all learn about how to be by watching Hollywood movies and watching television. And so porn is another genre of entertainment that teaches you something. And it's very uh, formulaic and stilted, but so is sitcoms and stuff. All these things are there, and we can understand their structure, and then we can just look at them as what we want from them. And I think that porn gives you this chance to open up all these things for yourself, and then put them away if you don't like them. There's yeah. no danger to you if you look at them and don't like them, and then you move on. And that, I think, can give a lot of confidence and happiness to people about their sexuality. And then when you're 
older and you're more connected to your spouse or other people who you're connected to, those people still are going to grow as sexual people and so are you. And so you can grow towards each other in a couple and then stay together and just do that kind of thing. And that can work out. Or you can grow alongside each other in parallel and connect in as you want. And porn can help or not help depending on how you approach it. I think if you like it, you can look at it together. You can look at it separately. You can kind of look at different things. New porn comes out every day. So there's new yeah. things happening to do. Same as this new comedy or new dramas that you can watch depending on what kind of things you enjoy. It's just about entertainment. And then in this case, it could actually be enlightening in a way. Mm-hmm. You know? But it could also just be utilitarian. You could just be like, oh, I, I think that girl's hot. I'm going to masturbate right now. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be anything more than that, but it's there for that. And I think that that is a great resource for you as a person, or me and you as a person, to actually be able to have a variety of experiences available to us to experience this vicarious way. Otherwise, you have to sleep with 150 people, which is a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a lot of work. Um, can you, just off the top of your head, name some of your favorite porn films? Uh, sure. Um, the uh, uh, I used to always say that my favorite porn movie was a movie called uh, Tristan Termino's Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women Part 1. Which is the worst title, and uh, <laughs> but in it it was a little uh, little educational. This is like 1998 or something, a long time ago, um, and uh, um, it was uh, 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 about anal sex. And she had all her favorite porn stars come on, and they all talked about their own favorite porn star friends, and they would talk about it a little bit, and then they would each have sex and stuff. And all these people were really like they were kind of with their partners, and they were having real orgasms, and they were having a great time. And it was just really loose and fun, and so it was just about the realness of these women having these orgasms. It looked really like they were having a great time. What I'm looking for from porn is women having a good time, right? Mm-hmm. But I was having, like, I was, I was 19, 20, I'm having sex with these women in real life, and they were having orgasms with me, and then I'd watch the porn with them, and the women wouldn't have orgasms in porn. I'd be like, what the hell is that? Mm-hmm. I'm having better sex than the porn movie people? That makes no sense. So that's not true anymore. Um, the, I still have great sex, but the, uh, but the porn movies now have much better sex in them. And, uh, uh, and the person who embodied that the best, I believe, is a porn star who's now retired named Belladonna. Mm-hmm. And Belladonna was, uh, she started out as just a, you know, 18-year-old girl wanted to try and do porn stuff. And then over the next, uh, I guess, 12 years of her being a porn star, she examined and expressed her personal sexuality in a unique and special way. And she was uh, powerful enough as a sexual being to be able to put that out kind of honestly on camera in all these different scenarios. And she explored what she was into and not into. And she did all the dirty, fetishy things. And she did all the straight, regular things. And she tried being submissive and dominant and everything. And she did all these things on camera it's available for us to watch anytime you want and that and she had orgasms constantly she was having a good time she was really into it and i thought that that was the best thing porn could possibly do show real people who are sexually skilled or advanced demonstrating how to be like that for all of us you mm-hmm. know and so that's the porn stars i look for i'm not looking for you know youthful people whose innocence is being uh, abused or or uh, um, or milfs who are trying to get over because they have no young cock in their life that's not for me I'm looking for women who are just having the greatest time in whatever the scenario is. And sometimes that's a girl who's just being a porn star girl in that scene. And sometimes it's a structural story where they have some kind of character and they have to do something. But uh, but I find that that's what I'm looking for is women who are really into what they're doing. And so I find I follow a lot of porn stars specifically. Mm-hmm. I think that's what most people do. Find porn stars you like, that you find attractive or you like the way they do things. And then just watch them. And they do a hundred scenes a year. So they'll do all the different things. You know, you can experience lots of different kinds of stuff while still kind of following along with, with that, that main character. Um, and since they really can't act much, they're really just that same person all the time. Belladonna was mostly Belladonna in each thing she was in. Um, but she was in also the best movie ever made, the best porn movie ever made, which is called The Fashionistas. The Fashionistas is a four-and-a-half-hour opus. What? Yes, it's it's a, it's an amazing, over-the-top, very expensive cost. It's like $300,000 to make, which is an enormous amount of money for a porn movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it won all the awards. This is uh, 1999, I think. Um, and uh, it was uh, directed by a guy named John Stagliano, who made lots of great movies. And he used to be called Butt Man. That was his man. He was, he was, he was oh Butt Man. He introduced the, the butt to America. And um, <laughs> so uh, 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 he, he's like, you know, amazing, amazing successful person in, uh, in porn and it's a great movie and it stars Rocco Sofredi and Belladonna and a couple other people and it's about this little story of this uh, little fashion uh, uh, company that wants to get its uh, clothing line distributed around the world through Rocco Sofredi's uh, uh, fashion company and so she keeps basically using sex to get him to buy into her fashion line and 
then Belladonna's her assistant who really has all the ideas and she has to actually see if she can get the credit and all this stuff. And all the time there's just S&M, really heavy S&M fetish sex the whole time. And it's so, so well done and so good. And he spent sometimes hours making that shot happen when in porn usually it's two takes and we're going. So, right. you know, it's, we're shooting all five scenes of the movie this weekend. We're shooting three right. scenes today. You know, it's just, it's, there's no time and no money to make it very good. And so when it's not very good, you have to assume that's just the, it was inevitable, right? right? When it's any good, you're like, oh my God, it's so good. Because it's just, you know, that's why a lot of porn that is not very good, it's just okay, gets lauded as so great because compared to everything else, it's so good. But really, it's just not. It's not right. even that good at all. But they do what they could do with the budgets. There. A normal porn movie, which is uh, four sex scenes and uh, you know two hours long or whatever, um, it costs like $12,000, $15,000. I mean, it costs no money to make these things because you have no cost. You don't do any rehearsal. You don't do any things. The costumes are not much. The big parodies, they spend like 100 120 grand on the costumes and the whole thing. That's got special effects. That's like that. But $120,000, no commercial you watch on television costs less than six times that. It's, it's, just, it's just a tiny amount of money. And that's why when people think porn is such a big industry, they're, they're slightly wrong. It is obviously hugely influential, and it's a third of all the internet traffic or some silly number like that. But there's very little money in it compared to what it was 10 years ago and compared to what people think it is, right? It is, it's, it's definitely a multi-billion dollar industry, but it's not a huge, you know, important cultural thing uh, monetarily. It, it's culturally significant because it changes everybody's sexuality one way or the other, but it doesn't actually make billions and billions of dollars for lots of people. It's, it's mm-hmm. millionaires, it's rich people, right? Yeah. But, but no one is coming out of this like anybody who is the 50, 500th guy at Google makes right. more than anybody in porn. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's not it's not like this, this, yeah. this, like this <laughs> comparison thing. And there's no billionaires in porn. You know what I'm saying? There's, no one's that rich. No one. It's just not that big a thing. And if it was a $100 billion industry, there'd be some billionaires from porn because it's been around for a long time and you can corner yeah. stuff. It's just not like that. But it is a very powerful thing. It does a lot of stuff. And I think that if you can find the good stuff in it, it's worth it, right? So every year there's the AVN Awards, which is the adult Oscars. Video. The Adult Video News is the name of the magazine. They of awards and their com- com- competitor magazine is XBiz and they have their own awards and they all give various things to everybody and you know whoever advertises the most wins so I understand that it doesn't really matter how good your porn movie really is but uh, it's uh, uh, it's fun to watch you, they, the top five or eight movies are nominated and all of those one of them is good and everything right um, and you know sometimes they're really groundbreaking and sometimes they're just not bad you know but uh, it's, uh, it's 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 always for me worth finding the, the best stuff and then I show it in my show or I'll get to show it on the uh, on the the radio show on uh, on Radio Free Brooklyn, and uh, and hopefully you know in the next couple of years a couple of people will make an amazing porn movie and they're gonna be like oh porn can be good you know and every once in a while something comes out that's almost that and with a better editor could have been that right. but uh, porn porn editing as a whole has yeah. changed a lot but it is still too long and the reason why is because in a porn sex scene you have to satisfy a lot of viewers so you have to have different positions for a few minutes each so that the masturbating people will have what they want so if you like like uh, if the if the girl is on top of the guy and she's uh, in cowgirl position, which means she's facing the guy, and all you see is her from the back, and you see her butt going up and down on his penis, that is a very normal shot, right? So how much of that shot do you need to make your point, right? Well, in porn, you probably get about 40 or 60 seconds of that shot. Well, in anything else, there's never a 60-second shot of the same thing. So it's just meant to be in some ways, boring to you because the part you like is coming up when she turns around, right? Right. And that's going to come up in a couple of minutes, right? And then in between, she'll blow him again because people need to see that, right? And then so there's there's all these like formulaic structural things that they do and they're not actually conducive to enjoying it as a narrative. It it gets in the way. It's like if you were watching a movie with a lot of special effects and, and action sequences, but there was this cool plot going around and they stopped to have this car chase and then they go back to the plot and you're like, oh man, Either the car chase was too long, or I wish the car chase wasn't there, or I wish there was only car chases, you know, whatever it is, right? And so everyone watches porn the same way. They're like, oh, man, I can't see your breasts. I can't see your breasts. Ah, finally I can see your breasts. So you have to fast forward through 
this movie, even the movie is a movie with a plot. There's going to be 25 minute long sex scenes four or five times, right? No narrative can hold on to that long time for that. So you could either cut it down to a 12 minute sex scene, which they used to do in the 70s, or you make it so that there's almost no plot. It's just sex scenes, and then you can just kind of just go with that. And everything in between is just an attempt to figure out the right length. But the editor can't just make it work because he has to leave in extra minutes for the butt guy, and extra minutes for the boob guy, and extra minutes for the leg guy and a couple of shots for the foot guy and a couple of shots of just you know, he needs all the pieces because all those people are watching right. and if you leave one of them out then that group doesn't want to watch your movies you know because right. there's no butt there's no butt why am I going right they can go to Big Wet Asses number 23 they can just go right for butt right and in that movie every once in a while she turns around and you can see her boobs but mostly she just faces the other way so you can see her butt that's advertising what it is and delivering what it is, right? right? But in a regular movie with theoretically, you know, the whole complex emotions that are going on throughout the characters, you have to still do the same thing because it's still there so that they can jerk off to it. So it becomes a complicated thing. So the next thing that will happen is that in the next couple of years, they will stop doing that and they will start making these edits so that they look like regular flowing kind of storylines, right? Mm -hmm. And so each of the sex scenes, which is what they pay the girls and the boys all the money for, not the acting. They get paid for the sex scenes. They're going to cut them down smaller and then on the other side of the disc or whatever, or on the other download, you can get the full uncut one. But in the movie, you're going to get the one that works within the movie, right? And they haven't done that very much. They've done it a couple times and it hasn't caught on. But that will happen because that's the only way for it to get to be an acceptable movie Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. separate it from just the utilitarian masturbational part of it. You have to separate those two things. You don't want to lose the masturbation part. You can just easily make that separate now because then you can just watch the movie and you can still stop it and watch the porn stuff or have sex during it or masturbate to it whenever you want but it's just not going to be this long boring part where everyone's needs are taken into consideration that's going to be a a separate thing and you know that'll be better that'll be much better it really will but they haven't done that since 1978 and they could have thought of this before I'm not a genius thinking of that that's what they needed to do the the Pirates movie you mentioned right the second Pirates movie which was which you'll read online has budgets between one and three million dollars. They say. Oh my god. Yes, it's a huge lie. It was actually more like four hundred fifty thousand dollars, and wow. even that is like thought of as maybe an inflated amount. But because <laughs> no, who knows, right? It's like Hollywood movies. How much money did they make? They announce stuff, right? But they're all under budget, then they're all over budget, then they're all you know, whatever the accountant says it is, you know. So so it's not real. Same with porn. So the money that they claim that that was the most expensive one ever is a huge lie. Fashion has actually cost more to more to make but um, the uh, 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 fact is in that movie they did shoot it and then they cut the scenes and they showed them faster right and so that they moved it some of it was a little speeded up and some of it was just cut a little faster but they actually did have it so that you could kind of watch it and the sex scenes weren't 25 minutes long. It was still two hours long. The movie was still too long. But it was, it was not so bad. And that worked because that sold real well. But it, it, people like kind of forgave it because they, were, they weren't really trying to make it quite so masturbational. Right. Because it was this big thing. But that's the rarity. That they, since then, they haven't even tried that. So I think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that'll be good. But uh, it's, uh, it's still about what it is that you're looking for. Some people just want to watch something titillating, something adult. Mm-hmm. And some people want to watch something masturbational, you know, and something that's, that's utilitarian for that. Yeah. And it's hard to do both. You know, it's hard to do both. Now, you recently made a beautiful short film. Thank you, yeah. Um, Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. The uh, New York City Porn Film Festival was announced. It was uh, uh, in competition with the Cinekink Porn Film Festival, which has been around for about 12 years now, and that's more kink-focused. Mm-hmm. And then this one was going to the New York uh, City Porn Film Festival, was going to be a little more uh, queer feminist uh, uh, of a attempt, and younger, much, much younger. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, when I heard about it, I'm like, oh, I should, I'm Porno Jim, I should make a porn movie. What the hell is going to be Porno Jim? I'm not going to be a porn movie maker. And so I, uh, I thought of a movie where I would try and do it um, very, very close up. So what I did was I, um, I figured out I would shoot couples having sex, but I would shoot it so extremely close up that you could not tell who they were mm-hmm. and then they were anonymous and so then they were just bodies having sex and in that way you know, when you're watching a porn movie or any movie really you identify to some level with those characters or at least one character and in, when you do that in a porn movie you're either going to be the man with the penis or the recipient of the penis um, and or the just ten people involved and you're any number of them. But in general, it's one and one and then you're going to be one or the other character, the, the, uh, the receiver or the aggressor or whatever it is you want to be. 
And it doesn't matter which gender you really are versus what you identify with in the porn movie. Wh- whatever it is that works for you, um, you can switch back and forth. But um, with uh, my movie, The Line, which is this short black and white to five minute movie that I made, which is you know artsy and and, and fun, um, was uh, I felt you could identify with any of it if you'd like uh, because you, it's anonymous. It's just mm-hmm. the penises and, and, and female bodies and male bodies. But it was really just mouths and breasts and genitalia and and the hands that interacted with them. And so. It allowed my friends who have uh, often wanted to be in my porn movies but, of course, don't want to be porn stars uh, to be in my movie because no one could tell it was them. And I was able to, because of that, it was not that hard to find people to be in it because they would like to do stuff for me, but they certainly would like to do it only if they could trust not that they would get caught and right, you get mom will find out. And it's yeah. very important. If anybody out there is thinking about being a porn star, I think being a porn star is a wonderful vocation. I think there's lots of great things to be done personally and culturally as a porn star, but you have to ask yourself very upfront how much do you love your mother? If you love your mother a lot and she loves you back and you like that, then that's a very good thing and it's very rare and make sure you hold on to that. But if you do make porn, your mother, who will love you forever, will love you less. (laughs) She will just love you a little less. Not necessarily in competition with your siblings, not necessarily them more than you or anything, but she will have a little less love in her her trough for you because you broke her heart just a little bit because she did that porn thing because she felt that it was her job to make you not do that. So when you did that, she goes, well... Now, if your mom's a stripper, it might not be quite as much of of a shock for her, but everybody else is going to be, oh... I wish that didn't happen. Uh, Chris Rock used to do this whole thing. He had a daughter. His job now is just to keep her off the pole. Yeah, yes, that was his yes, job. Yes, yes, I just got to yes. keep her off the pole, and then I've done my job as a parent, right? And uh, and that is exactly what we're talking about here. If if you're going to go do a porn movie, it's not just a lark that you're doing as a youthful thing, and you're going to get away. It's not like that. If you want to do that, do some naked pictures with an artist, right? Yes. Then you've done your porn thing, but it's completely deniable that you're a porn star. You did art, right? Naked art is completely respectable in many, many levels of our culture. But once you actually take a penis in your mouth, it is a completely <laughs> different situation, even if it's for artsy porn. So I'm just telling you, keep that in mind. If you don't really have a close relationship with your parents, then you should definitely consider being a porn star. Do it. But, uh, but I, I, I just I admonish most people who ask me if they should be porn stars to consider whether or not they like the idea that when they go home on Thanksgiving that it's just nice. Because yeah. it, it will not be quite as nice. Yeah, even if yeah. they love you, even if they forget, because lots of porn stars' parents completely support them and think that they're wonderful and stuff. And I don't know any of those people, so of course I don't know what their parents think. All I'm saying right. is that in general, if you're not from that world and your mom finds out that you're in that thing, she will be disappointed in a little bit, and then right. she'll get over it, and then she'll still love you a little less. Oh so. my god. Um, I, I just checked the time. We are very, very close to finishing. So okay, well, let me finish the line then. Let me just finish yes, the line. So, 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 so the line is a five-minute movie where I come very close. The idea being that when everybody kisses somebody or any other sexual thing that you are having, an actual, unique, and special moment between you and the other person. But at the same time, your kiss is just like all other kisses. That's what makes it a kiss. So at what point does your individual, unique, intimate act become a universal act. And so by going in very, very close with my camera, I thought I could see the line where that individual act becomes universal, and that's why I call it The Line. And you can watch this movie on my website, pornogym.com, where all the information about everything else I'll be doing will be posted and everything. I'm also on Twitter. I'm on uh, Twitter at pornogymnyc, at pornogymnyc. I think that'll be a place where you'll also see lots of things that I'm talking about. Um, I'm about to do a radio show for Radio Free Brooklyn, which I hear that you legs are also going to be doing. That's wonderful. And so um, I'm going to be doing a, a a weekly slot, Saturday from 8 to 9, the Porno Gym Show, where I'll be doing reviews of porn with female guests. I'll be doing interviews with porn personalities. I'll be doing all kinds of comedy. I have friends who are going to be doing characters. I'm going to call it viewpoints, right? And every week I'm going to argue with either uh, somebody who's really into the dirtiest porn or really into Brazzers porn or a couple who are just starting to like it. or oh, I'm going to just, All the different characters who might or might not like porn, all my friends who are incredibly funny are going to then be there and we're going to interview each other and talk about stuff and it's going to be hilarious. And then I'm going to do, of course, the opening every week is going to be with current porn news and stuff in the porn industry and what's going on and how it's affecting us and how other people are you know, getting messed up. I'm probably not going to talk about just everything in sex. Like uh, I see a lot of things about how a lot of teachers are having sex with a lot of students these oh days. It's become very, very weird. I don't know if more teachers are doing it or just because it's all on everyone's phone, they all get caught. But it's a lot. It's like every day I read about another teacher, female or male. More women than men I, yeah, I see yeah, yeah, stories yeah, yeah, of, right? Yeah, 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 it's totally. very, very strange. So I don't understand that because I'm not saying that 17-year-old boys and girls aren't very attractive. I'm just saying, if you're the teacher, shouldn't you wait till next year? I'm just saying. 
I, I mean, really, I mean, you know, they're gonna be, they'll still be hot next year, and then they won't be in your school, and then you can do anything, and it's not against the law. But when you do it, with the, it's so against the law. I mean, it's not just, oh, it's bad because they're 17. That's the statutory rape law. That you can, you know, they're adults at that point. They can probably say to the, te- to the, to the judge, I was, totally my okay, my, I was totally okay with that, and you'll probably get away with that. But if you're a teacher, then it's a, a, a class, uh, you know, thing. You can't, you can't do that. So I don't get it. But, you know, when I was in high school, my uh, history class, uh, uh, the, the prettiest girl in the class was, well, I forget her name, but she was there. And she was sitting in the class, and she was there the whole time. And I didn't know it, but she was dating that teacher and married him the day after we graduated. No. Married him. So, now, I, like I said, I didn't know. I'm an idiot. I was some, you know, a 17-year-old kid. I didn't know that she was dating the teacher. They didn't indicate it to me. I don't know if the other teachers are anything new. But the next day we graduated, they got married. So clearly it was not That's something that hadn't been going on. crazy. That's crazy. And that was, you know, what was that now? 20-something years ago, 30 years ago. So, so that's a long time ago. And it's still happening now. So it's always happened. So I'm not that surprised. I'm just a little weirded out that people actually don't think that people are going to look at their kids' phones. Because I'm constantly saying, oh, yeah, the mother found out about it by looking at the phone and saw the text that that teacher had sent. You sent dirty texts to the kid's phone? The mom owns that phone. That's the mom's phone. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's, just, that's just wanting to get caught. That's just the weirdest thing. Oh, so, I, uh, so I got the Porno Gym uh, radio show, which is going to be really good, and I'm going to have uh, the uh, um, uh, uh, Porno Gym Theater show return probably in great. the fall. I'm, I, I have a, a probable venue lined up, I think. Oh, um, and that would be really wonderful. And um, I have uh, The Line, which is available on pornogym.com, which hopefully will soon be revamped so it has all kinds of cool things and these podcasts and stuff will wind up on there. And, uh, and yeah, I haven't uh, really gotten into my whole origin and stuff like that, but you can totally get into that. Um, I'm just going to have to have you back again. I'll just have to have you back. But you have to hear my my uh, my porn uh, teenage I w- years. I wanted. I, I did want to go there, but you you are so full of so much excellent, fascinating information that again we're gonna have to. Sure. You're gonna have to come back on the show, and this time I'm gonna have to. I'm just gonna drop an itinerary so <laughs> we can be sure to hit all the points that we want to hit. Okay. Well, I but hope this was entertaining. It uh, very much so. I'm glad. Very much so, and I hope my listeners have enjoyed it as well. Oh sure, I, that, it's for them. It is because you and I were talking before they came here, and then we'll keep talking after they leave. Exactly. But while the <laughs> <laughs> While the recorder is on, they're here too. Exactly. Yeah. So, for their benefit, thank you, Porno Jim, for being a part of today's My interview. pleasure, Legs. Thank you, you so much. You are a treat. Thank you. Okay. And there you have it, folks. My interview with the one and only Porno Jim. If you want to read up on what Jim's about, please go ahead and go to his website, pornogym.com. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to check out our show on Radio Free Brooklyn and uh, subscribe. Leave a comment on iTunes while you're at it. Hey, why not? Spread the love. Lunch with Leg Style. A huge thanks to David Lawrence Bird, our executive producer, and thanks to you for tuning in and supporting this audio love. Take care, everybody. Have a great week, and we look forward to bringing you a brand new episode next week. Lots of love. Be good to you.